Here's everything you might have missed in Ms. Marvel Episode 1. Ms. Marvel has officially joined the MCU, and like any Marvel series worth its weight in Infinity Stones, there are plenty of Easter eggs and subtle details that you might have missed. We're gonna break them all down for you in just a moment, but to talk about all of these things in depth, we have to spoil what happens in Ms. Marvel Episode 1. So if you're not up to date yet, make like a tree and leaf. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? The episode begins with Kamala Khan's hobby, creating animated Avengers fanfiction videos for YouTube. This is a slight modification to her comic book hobby of writing fanfiction. In Ms. Marvel number six, she tells Wolverine about her Wolverine and Storm in space fanfiction story, and there's another nod to this comic moment later on. We see Ant-Man and the Wasp's romantic vacation in Paris. In Ms. Marvel number six, Cyclops and Emma Frost's romantic vacation in Paris was number one on the fanfiction site, much to Wolverine's chagrin. This endgame recap video is full of familiar faces, even including Okoye, Pepper Potts as Rescue, and Valkyrie. Behind Hawkeye is a doodle of Goose, Captain Marvel's adorable pet Flurkin, and a post-it note list Captain Marvel sightings, which include a sandy beach, Tokyo, a dark alley, and an arena. There's also a newspaper article about Carol flying over New Jersey. Now, as Kamala mentions later, Carol is no longer on Earth, a fact referenced in Avengers Endgame and the post-credits of Shang-Chi. Where exactly she's been won't likely be addressed until closer to The Marvels, which will feature Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, and Monica Rambeau. There's a clever visual reference to the iconic It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, followed by artwork of Carol, including her classic 1977 costume from the comics, and another drawing full of the Kirby crackle emblematic of Jack Kirby's artwork. These spaceships we see are made from cardboard boxes from Circle Q, the convenience store where her best friend Bruno works. First appearing in the delightfully stupidly named All New Marvel Now Point One Number One Point Now, Jesus Christ, Circle Q is basically Kamala's unofficial HQ. It'll be a recurring location in this show as well. The video also teases the comic book romance between War Machine and Captain Marvel. And that's fitting for Kamala's fanfiction because it'll likely never happen in the MCU. Most significantly, the video also answers the question of how everyone knows so much about what went down during the battle against Thanos in Avengers Endgame. It's fairly simple. The people involved were talking about it. Apparently, Scott Lang did a big old podcast appearance on a parody of NPR's This American Life called This Powered Life. Chapter 1, getting really small. Kamala also suspects Thor of being a gamer, which is spot on considering his track record playing Fortnite in Endgame against the dreaded Noobmaster69. Noobmaster, hey, it's Thor again. Kamala's channel is called Sloth Baby Productions, and the logo references her stuffed animal from Ms. Marvel number 1, which we see later in the episode. Kamala's only subscribers and commenters are her two best buds, Bruno Corelli and Nakia. They are also straight out of the comics as well. After failing her driving test, Kamala's mom, Muniba, mentions that it's all her fault, blaming her genetics and her mother. Obviously, this is about Kamala's situation in that exact moment, but Kamala's comic book powers are genetic. They're the result of Terrigen Mist activating latent inhuman genes inside of her. Her powers are seemingly derived from a family heirloom in the show, so this feels like some clever foreshadowing on the part of the writers. Moving on, Kamala attends Cole's Academic High School, which first appeared in Ms. Marvel number 3. The names listed on the plaque out front are all people that played an essential role in bringing Kamala's story to life. G. Willow Wilson is the original writer of Ms. Marvel and her co-creator. Steven Wacker is a Marvel Comics editor and co-creator of Ms. Marvel. Adrian Alfona is the original Ms. Marvel artist and co-creator of this character. Jamie McKelvey designed Kamala's costume and is also a co-creator of the character. 
Ian Herring is a prolific Ms. Marvel colorist. Takeshi Miyazawa is another Ms. Marvel artist and inker. Joe Caramagna, or VC's Joe Caramagna, if you nasty, is a letterer for Ms. Marvel. And Nico Leone is another Ms. Marvel artist. At school, the girl Kamala collides with on the staircase is Zoe Zimmer, a character from the comics recast here as a popular influencer. She was actually the first person that Kamala winds up saving in the comics after getting her powers. Except instead of getting obliterated by a giant Mjolnir at AvengerCon, she scoops her out of the Hudson River, an incident that Kamala loosely references later in the episode. Is that the code for I fell into the Hudson River for the third time? No, that's Black Sloth down and I fell in once, okay? One of the signs in the school reads, don't be late, vote for Nate, potentially a nod to assistant prop master Nathan Alexander. And another reads, Dustin for Prez, he's a very good choice, which references Dustin Barry, who also worked in the show's art department. The school guidance counselor, Mr. Wilson, is another nod to Ms. Marvel's co-creator, G. Willow Wilson, hammered home by the GWW sign on his desk. When Gabe quotes the song Reflections from Mulan, we see their faces in split screen in a visual homage to the movie. Kamala's shirt reads, Ladies, Let's Get Information, a parody of the Beyonce song, Formation, featuring Wasp, Captain Marvel, and Valkyrie all wearing glasses. After school at the Circle Q, there's a QR code over Bruno's shoulder above the ATM, and that leads to a free copy of Ms. Marvel number one. While they're brainstorming costume ideas, Kamala spitballs a Doctor Strange Captain Marvel mashup, which actually happened in the comics in 2019's Captain Marvel number 28. Later, she suggests a zombie version of Captain Marvel, which we saw in Marvel Zombies Resurrections number four. At home, Kamala watches the season one finale of Felicity on the couch as her mom comes home with a box of family heirlooms. One is that mysterious bangle that'll be our major magical MacGuffin of this series. Clearly, Muniba knows more than she's letting on as she has Kamala's brother Amir stash it in the attic. Whether these will actually turn out to be a version of the Quantum Bands, only time will tell, though. While running errands with her mom, you can see Bollywood movie posters with the names J. Vosh, J. Haddad, and H. Avant. These are Ms. Marvel set designer Julie Vosh, art director Jesse Haddad, and digital asset manager Hajar Avant, respectively. Another poster reads Karmakar, referencing set decorator Karuna Karmakar. Later, Amir teases Kamala in her bedroom by asking if she's still afraid of the jinn. In Arabic and Islamic mythology, jinn are shape-shifting unseen spirits with immense power. While not necessarily evil in nature, here they're portrayed as something to potentially fear. And that is fitting with the reports that the show's main antagonist will be clandestine, a superpowered family born to a mysterious immortal man and a djinn. With Kamala's powers basically letting her shapeshift light into constructs of her own choosing, maybe her abilities could be connected to the djinn, and maybe there were even djinn in her family. The next day, in Kamala's room, we spot a copy of the Strokes Room on Fire album, as well as a poster of Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. There's also a poster of Terry Dodson's cover for Captain Marvel number five on the wall, and we can see a clock with David Lopez's art for Captain Marvel number one. On the Circle Q roof, there's a sign for Edison Electric from Ms. Marvel number seven. It was involved in Kamala's battle against her first real villain, the Inventor, a weird clone of Thomas Edison who is more cockatiel than man for some reason. Lastly, the photon gloves that Bruno makes could be a reference to Monica Rambeau's superhero alter ego that she adopted after being Captain Marvel. While describing her plan to Bruno, Kamala's graceful descent is a superhero landing, the likes of which would make Yelena Belova roll her eyes. It's a fighting pose. You're a total poser. You're not a poser. <laughs> the next day, in her Avengers shirt, Kamala turns out to be more of a poser than she thought. <laughs> AvengerCon takes place at Camp Lehigh, where Steve Rogers was selected to receive the Super Soldier Serum during World War II. Later, it was the site of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s first base that Cap visited during Avengers Endgame. 
In Kamala's plan, they see cosplayers on the bus dressed as Doctor Strange and the dancers from the USO show and Captain America the First Avenger. With Bruno dressed as Tony Stark, we see them take pictures with people dressed as Nick Fury, a Lego rocket raccoon, and my favorite, Weird Vision eating a soft pretzel. That is a horrifying mask. AvengerCon itself is a treasure trove of Easter eggs. People are dressed like basically any hero you can imagine, but some deeper cuts include dancers from Iron Man 2's opening and a concession stand employee dressed as one of Ant-Man's ants. The star-spangled man with a plan, the song from Cap's USO tour plays over the speakers, and we see there's merch for Asgard Pride and America's Ass, Ant-Man's nickname for Cap's rump. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's Ass. There's a memorial wall for fallen Avengers Iron Man and Black Widow, a poster for a docuseries called The Peter Quill Starboy Story, and a sign for rocket plushies labeled Trash Pandas in the background. There's also a booth for Avengers tours to New Asgard, the tour company that we glimpsed in Thor Love and Thunder's trailers. Plus, there's a giant photo op of the boat scene from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ah, uh, sorry, I know I'm not a whale. This will just take a second. When Kamala spots Zoe, she's dressed in a similar costume to the one the villain Moonstone wore when she adopted the Captain Marvel identity in The Dark Avengers. The costume's not even accurate. The cosplay contest host is Ryan Panagos, Marvel's VP of New Media and co-host of podcasts like This Week in Marvel and Marvel's Poll List. When Kamala first puts on the bangle, she falls backwards and sees a purple-hued realm full of weird people with terrifying eyes. Maybe these could be some of the jinn, those unseen spirits that Amir mentioned earlier. Either way, they definitely have some connection to Kamala and her family. Kamala's powers manifest very differently than they do in the comics. And while she's able to do similar things like embiggen her hand and get super stretchy, it's technically a construct of what they wind up calling hard light. Basically, this bangle forms extensions of Kamala's imagination and turns them into objects made of hard and crystalline light. With so many references to Ant-Man though, maybe her powers could be connected to the quantum realm in some capacity as well. During the credits of the show, we see a number of comic book images, including the cover of 2014's Ms. Marvel No. 1. Then, in the background, you can spot a Trust-A-Bro moving truck as seen on Hawkeye. Tracksuit Mafia confirmed? Kate won't like this at all. Hey, bros! In a post-credit scene, we learn the Department of Damage Control is already investigating what went down at AvengerCon. First appearing in 1988's Marvel Age Annual No. 4, they were a company that specialized in repairing the damage done during battles between superheroes and supervillains. In the MCU, they were originally a joint venture between the U.S. government and Stark Industries to safely preserve alien tech after the Battle of New York. Now, though, they are a full-on law enforcement agency specializing in apprehending people with superpowers. Agent Cleary is returning after his most recent appearance in Spider-Man No Way Home, and he's joined by newcomer Agent Sadie Deaver. And it looks like damage control could be one of Kamala's biggest threats, you know, outside of that realm full of demonic-looking homunculi that she witnessed at AvengerCon. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That is everything we spotted in Ms. Marvel Episode 1. We'll have plenty of other deep dives and exclusive interviews with the cast, including how Tom Holland snuck into AvengerCon, just waiting for you over on Nerdist.com. In the meantime, though, tell us, what did you think of this episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? Come on, you gotta go! Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com. 